shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. Is she proco petitia tefediae? Is she proco to fetisha tire? Is she proco petitia tefediae? Father, we bless your holy name. Lord, we give you praise. We exalt you, my Father. We give you all the glory. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So, good evening, everyone, for this another edition of uh, the Life Feast uh, Bible study. Uh, God has been blessing us the past few weeks. Uh, praise the name of the Lord and uh, happy Sunday to everyone and long weekend. I know uh, there's still a couple of people who will join us as we go along this evening. Amen. Praise God. So let's open. We stopped last at Ephesians chapter 4. Um, praise God. We had read, I think, uh, we had journeyed a bit. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, I, I think I'll start from chapter 5 today. When we go back to chapter 4, at some point, we spent the last three or four weeks in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, but we're going to open up from chapter 5 um, this evening. Uh, I can read it. It says, uh, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also had loved us, and had given himself for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But fornication, and all uncleanness of covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh sense. Verse 4, Neither filthiness, nor foolishness, foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no unmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 8, For we were sometimes we were, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but re rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake! Thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the, with, with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So, uh, at this point, Paul was now, we've been talking about, in the book of Ephesians so far, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the, the person of Christ, the attributes of Christ, the intentions of Christ. Uh, then uh, Paul in chapter 5, uh, as right towards the end, flipped it into marriage, that concept of a husband and wife, Christ as the head of the church. And it's like that symbolism of how the man should relate to the woman and the woman to the man is how Christ and us are in, in relation where uh, the, the instruction is that we submit. This, this, so it means that there's a direction of where all the, all the teachings of the Spirit is going. It's going to a place where we can serve Christ as a wife should serve the husband. Praise God. We can serve Christ. So in, 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 in pretty direct words, it's like, okay, for the husband is the head of the wife, verse 23, even as Christ is the head of the church. So, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So, there's that arrangement there where there's a demand of submission to our head, who is Christ. So, as Paul would say, I speak of, I, I speak, this is a great mystery, verse 32, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I speak concerning Christ and the church, but it's also husband and wife he's talking about. But he's trying to interpret this mystery of submission. That is, the end point of our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ is submission. The, the demand of his relationship with us is that he loves us. Right? And part of love is rebuke. Part of love is correction. Part of love is trying to prune trying to make perfect, trying to um, uh, improve, trying to lift up, trying to correct, trying to perfect. That's all, but that's all his own responsibility. Our, when you check it, our first responsibility, essentially, and Jesus interpreted it that way to us. He says, if you love me, 
you would obey my commandments. It means that in this um, in this definition of relationship between Christ and us, or in this per se, this marriage this marriage contract between Christ and us, in that relationship between Christ and us, that contract between Christ and us, there is the the love demand on either side. Right? Can two work together except they agree? So inside the contract between us and Christ is that Christ should love us, but that one there's no problem in that one. He's God. So there's no he can't make mistake in his loving us. <laughs> but you know where most of the mistake is? Is in we doing our own dimension of relationship to him. And so when they say husbands love your wife. They also mean wives, love your husband. But essentially, what they are trying to say is that the definition of a wife loving the husband is submission. That's how, if you want to now define biology. Biology is the science of this and this and that. So the definition of us as the body submitting to Christ as our head is submission. So, if we say we love Jesus and we do any other thing but submit, we have not loved Jesus according to the spiritual definition of what it means to love Jesus. Are you seeing where I'm going? So, it means that loving Jesus is not by singing, I love you, Lord. It's not even by going out to do evangelism per se. It's not even by all the acts of service we do. And that is all part of it. It's all wonderful. Actually, part of loving Jesus, loving the brethren, loving the saints. You get, in fact, that one, they call it loving the saints. Remember Ephesians chapter 1? All those love, love is service in, the dimen- in that dimension. Praise the name of the Lord. So, all most of our acts of service, as we render it in our local assemblies, they won't qualify it as loving Jesus. What they will call it is loving the brethren or loving saints. So, so the Bible is very clear in how it defines things, you know. But by 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 rub off, you are still loving Jesus. You get because that's, those are his saints. You get me. So in is a, in a dimension, you are still already loving Jesus because you are already you are already acting. Towards the people who 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 are his bride or who he owns, amen, or who has purchased by his blood. But the exact definition—if you want to hit the nail on the head—what is the exact definition of my loving Christ, my head? The Bible says, "Submit." <laughs> Praise God. So, if you want to, if you want to check or know. If you have achieved the wholesomeness or the fullness, the fullness of loving Christ, this is the measure. If one soul wants to appreciate, you want to check, you want to qualify, you want to quantify. Have I, have I attained loving Jesus Christ? The measure that you can use. To say that I have attained loving Jesus Christ is that have I submitted to my head? Have I submitted to Christ? That's the that's the calculation. 
Praise the name of the Lord. That's the measure in the spirit. And that's what Ephesians chapter 1 began to, chapter 5 began to. So when it says, Why submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord? For as the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, by the word. So in these things they also also unveiled how Jesus, how Christ loves his wife. This is how Christ loves you. Christ will teach you his words, wash you by his words. Praise God. I hope we are rede- we are redefining things. So in this in this contract, Christ and us, Christ loves us. We love Christ. The definition of our loving Christ is we submit under Christ in all things. The definition of Christ loving us, he explained it that he will give, he washes us with his word. So, right now, this is Christ loving us. Praise God. To speak it in plain terms. The ministration of his word. When he's flowing in word. When Christ is betting out his revelation upon us. He's actually just see it. It's an outpouring of his love. Mm. Praise God. Like I said love is not always sweet. Love is also correction, rebuke, pruning. All those things are love. So you will see when Christ is ministering. When Christ is blessing us by revelation, you will see inside messages, sometimes some of them is hits, some of them are harsh, some of them are comforting, some of them are to wash, to prune. All those things are different iterations and different dimensions of Christ pouring out his love upon his people. Now, do you know Christ takes this, this is so deep to for Christ that there were a company of people who showed up at the end time and said, Lord, we have cast out demons in your name, we have done miracles in your name, we have done all manners of things in your name, and the Lord simply replied to them, away from me, you workers of iniquity. For I know you not. You see that word? Why do you use that word? No. For I know you not. Give me one quick second. My son is... Have you up? Have you up? Quiet. Go upstairs, please. Upstairs. Upstairs. Thank you. Praise God. So why, why did he... Why was Christ... Amen. Why, why the emphasis on I know you not? It means that... Though you were doing casting demons, miracles, when I was flowing my word, which is my love for my people, you rejected it. 
So first of all, the evidence that you rejected it is that you did not know me. Because knowing me is him also knowing you. Praise the name of the Lord. Knowing me is me also knowing you. Because, for example, if you want to know me, as you are knowing me, I'm also knowing you. <laughs> um, as you are, because to know me means you must interact with me. You would, not that you would have heard about me, but you would have interacted with me. You would have known the things I like, I don't like. But I'm part of those interactions. It's not just an interaction of me always talking to you. I'm also, as we are, we are interacting, for example, some of you, I've come to know some of you through these meetings. Because every now and again, you, maybe some of you will ask a question or will need a clarification. By those questions you ask, by those clarifications you are seeking, I am knowing you. I'm also discerning your personality. So in knowledge, knowledge is an interaction between two persons. Just give me one, one quick second again. Abiel, Abiel, go upstairs. Upstairs now, please. Go upstairs. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, it says, away from me, you evil do as for I know you not. So, it means that Jesus takes very seriously the outpouring of his knowledge to his people. Why does he take it that seriously? He takes it very seriously because that is the his part. That is his end of the marriage covenant with us. That is his own end of his marriage covenant. That contract, that vow, that is his vow, his love vow to his people. That, what verse is that? That's Ephesians chapter 5. See verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify. This is the, this is the action of the love. This is the action. This is the vow, the carrying out of the vow of the law, of the Lord, of the of the love, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the law, by the word. So there's one thing you should know: that as long as you are prepared to receive word, God, the Lord Jesus, because of love, must. It's a vow. He will bet revelation. It's one thing I've noticed that no matter, sometimes we have to be praying, yeah, but there's no, there's no time we, we gather like this. And we say we are gathering unto the Lord, wanting to know the Lord, that the Lord doesn't show up with knowledge. There's not been, I've been doing this for years. There's not been one single meeting where I will, will come to the meeting, you know, like we don't really prepare message per se. You get me? Now you see me with a book and over the week I'll be preparing what to say to you every time we meet. We gather here, we pray, we open the scripture and things begin to open. And people will now think that maybe Pastor James knows everything. We know everything. I don't know anything. (laughs) Sometimes as, as the ministration, as we are teaching, as I'm teaching, I'm also learning. Praise God. One such place was last week. Last week, the spirituals took over the meeting. We're teaching about power. Power. 
power of Christ versus power of darkness, how God translates us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dead son, what the power was, and even me said I was blessed by the ministration, even though it was my mouth they were using. My mouth was opening and teaching, but I was also seeing things afresh as they were opening the scriptures. So it means that it's a vow from his side. Whenever people gather and hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Because that is a vow to Jesus. It's his love vow to us. That's one thing that people don't know. So as long as we set up a meeting and sit down and say, we are doing this meeting unto the Lord. Say, where two or three are gathered, he is there also. You know, but sometimes, you know, people, two or three can be gathered, but the person who is leading the meeting can decide to say what he wants to say, irrespective of what the Lord wants to say inside the meeting. And that's where a lot of problems come in different kind of ministries. People box God in, they make up their own distinct, they package their own presentation. So you will see in the presentation, a little bit of scripture is in there, but mostly them is inside. Do you get me? And so that's how, that's the blockade. That's that blockade where Jesus will say, I know you not. You will not allow me to flow to my people. You will not allow me to pay my vows to my people. Jesus does that. I kid you not. The Lord Jesus does not joke with that thing. Any minister of the gospel who will block the flow of the Lord Jesus to his people, Jesus does not play with it. Why? Because you are not permitting him to pay his vows to his people. And his vow is that the, his vow is that he will wash them by the washing of water by the word. He will cleanse them. He will wash them by the washing of water by the word. That is Jesus' vow to us. Now, we also should have, we also have a vow to him. If, we, if, we, if, you, if you are spiritual, you will search out the vow of the Lord Jesus. That as you journey through, you journey through the scriptures and through the nature of Christ, there is the end of one nature. There is one, there is one thing that ends Jesus, that ends Christ. Who can tell me? There is one thing. There is one nature. That when time you journey through, you journey through Jesus, you come to this end. I will just say it. He says, learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in spirit. That is his end. It means as we journey in righteousness, learning Christ, the, the, the corrections of heart or the changes of heart, the end of the changing is that you have a meek and lowly spirit. To this man would I look upon him who is of a poor spirit, a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Praise God. Do you know why? Because that was, that, you know how we are to Jesus. That's how Jesus is or was to his father. How do I know? Jesus will say something that I only do what I see my father doing. It means that the vow of the father to Jesus was to teach him his ways. And Jesus' vow, in reciprocal vow to the Father, was to submit under his authority. <laughs> so they were the ones who started that relationship. The Father is the head. 
Jesus will say, my, my father is greater than I. The father is the head of Christ. So the father is the one who washed Christ by the washing of water by the word. That was the father's vow. Marriage covenant. Marriage vow. Family vow to Jesus. Wash him by his own person and his own ways and his own word. Then Jesus submitted. His vow to the father was to submit that the whole world may know that I love my father. I don't know if we can find that scripture. And it's, I know it's in John. That the whole world may know that I love my father. That's so when, he was, when he was talking about going to the cross. Let's see it. I think it's John. John 17, yes. I believe so, yes. Um, or John 14. Let's see. John, is it John 17? John 14. It's John 14. Yes. Am I right? Yes, that's it. So, John chapter 14. I'll read from verse... Um, I'll just read from verse 29. From V29. It says, And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it comes it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. Verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. As the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go thence. So that was his vow. So the vow that he loved the Father, let's say, as the wife vowed to love his, her husband, is to submit to the husband. So was Jesus' vow to his Father that he would submit to the commandment of his Father. So spiritually, relationship is all about that. Head. One is head, one is under. That's how spiritual authority works. One is head, one is under. One is head, one is under. So, Father, head of Christ. What is the relationship? Father loves Christ. How does he love him? He Paul washes him by word. Then he responds, Christ, he is under Father. How does he love the Father? He submits to him. Now, next relationship. Christ, head of us. What does Christ do? Christ washes us by his word. Us, under Christ, praise God, <laughs> amen, we submit to Christ. And you can stretch it out because there are men, servants of God, under Christ, who Christ has washed by his word, submit to Christ. Then when Christ, when you, when, when Christ raises you under such servants of the Lord, you also should submit to them, and they will wash you by the word. That's how order and spiritual authority works. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, if that, if that chain reaction works properly, even to the least of us will be fathers. Because Jesus so submitted to the Father and receives all the washing of the Father that he himself became a father. Oh, rather not a father. He became the father. As he was saying, John, that John 14, says Philip, earlier on, 
that John chapter 14, from verse 6 I read, it says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye have known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So at this dimension, Jesus had so lent the Father, had so submitted to the Father, and be washed by the Father, that he became the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He became his twin. Then the next relationship, Jesus will now turn to you, turn to me, turn to you. Begin to wash us with not his own, he doesn't have a new word. The word that is washing us with is the word that his father washed <laughs> him with. So when we sing that song, we go from life to everlasting life to eternal life. With you, Jesus. It means that as we are, when we finish learning Christ, we also become a father. That's everlasting life. So, the least of us will be a father. If we've submitted well. Praise the name of the Lord. If we've done that chain reaction of submission. That started from the Father to Christ to us. Chain reaction of submission and then in response, head washing. So the head washes, the wife submits. The head washes, the one under submits. The head washes, the one we submit. Because when you submit, you become like the head. So you become the the, the, is a, what's the word? Is a very, very direct correlational relationship. The more you submit to your head, Christ, the more Christ you become. That's the relationship. Very direct symbiotic relationship. Well, I'm looking for, there's another word for it. It's a very direct correlation between your submission and your becoming Christ. Very direct. So you will see, and I've seen it over years, those who submit more, I found out that they are the ones who grow. It's not as though enough nobody is forcing anybody to do submission. But I just found it out by study. Proportional. <laughs> it's very, thank you, sir. Directly proportional. Is as directly proportional as anything you ever find in life. Because it happens over time. The one who submits more. Meaning, what it means that as you submit more, you are paying your vows more. And so we say, oh, no, I submit to Christ. Submit is not, because say, how can you submit to God that you don't see and you're the man that you have seen? It's, you first start with the spiritual authority you see. Because that authority has been washed by Christ. So that is a Christ to you, in essence. That's the practice. 
in the journey up. Praise the name of the Lord. I see that direct is a directly proportional measure. So those who are hasty in submission, you will find out that they'll be hasty in growth. Or they'll be quick in growth. Those who are sluggish in submission, you'll find out that the same word was preached to two. But the proportion of rece- receiving, your receiving is your submission, wasn't as proportional. Now, you know, we spent many weeks in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going, if I will go back to there. Ephesians chapter 4, now you will see Ephesians chapter 4 was pushing us in this direction already of meekness, lowliness, submission. All those attributes that we've been talking about in Ephesians chapter 4, all those trainings, is to bring us under Christ. That's why I say he led captivity captive. He are not just he didn't free you for you to be free. <laughs> he free he freed you for you to be his captive. He led captivity. You were in captivity. That's what we measured on last week. You were in captivity first in the kingdom of darkness. You got born again, set free from the kingdom of darkness. But after you got set free from the kingdom of darkness, as we visited last week, you are now under the power of darkness. That he now took the washing of the water of word. He took his power of Christ, the teachings of Christ, to undo you from power of darkness. That's the washing. So you will see that Christianity, when they talk about freedom in Christ, there's a word, they, they, they don't say freedom. They don't just say freedom. What, what do they say? That we have freedom in Christ. I think that's the word they use. We have freedom in Christ. But you know, you have freedom in Christ. So in Christ is a captivity. It's not just you have freedom. <laughs> Do you get me? So for example, you see this cup here. I can have freedom, I just have freedom. When they say I have freedom in Christ, I have freedom in this cup, for example. I have inside the cup. Do you get me? I am free. But I am not free for how to live outside the cup. So I'm still in a, in a dimension of captivity. So it is a form of captivity. Praise God. And you will see for the past four weeks that we've been joining Ephesians chapter 4, he's been taking us to this place where we are under, we are submitted. All the trainings of Christ is to prepare the soul, to elasticate the soul with enough capacity to be under Christ. To be submitted. And some of those trainings are submission to authorities. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. You will now understand it a bit more as we read. Ephesians chapter 4. Praise God. Uh, sister, I pray her to go and join her Bible study that she does every third week of the month. Praise God. Let's see, um, Ephesians chapter 4, I'll read from verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We, we, I think we did two sessions on this, this verse 1 to 3 about a, a, a few weeks ago. You can see, you think that makes more sense in the concept of this Ephesians chapter 5 we are reading of husbands, love your wife, wife submit to your own husband. Not so? And he's saying, so we're talking about the vow of Christ and the church. The vow of Christ is to love his church and what that means, you know, practically, if you want to, it's not just so, you're not picking, speaking parables. Jesus loving us means he's washing us by the water, by the word. <laughs> That's what it means. That's what, that was the explanation it gave. He's washing us by the water, by the, which is the word. That is the, that is the clarity definition of his love to us. Then we, as his wife, as he under him, the to make it very plain, loving Jesus is submitting to Jesus. Right? So loving Jesus is not singing, I love the Lord. Really. Loving Jesus is not any activity you do in church. That is loving the sense. And those are preparations too. That's how it starts now. After I've heard of your faith and your love to all the sense, they now prepare you for the next dimension of love. So that you now know him. When you now know him, you now know what to submit to more. All those things are preparations of loving him. Of submissions. But the finality of loving Jesus is that we are under him in how many things? In all things. It's a very simple statement, but yet very hard. And it's not by mouth. <laughs> Amen. Is in is when you say under when you say you are under me in all things, it means you think my thoughts. You take the actions I take. You kill your own vision and take up my vision. It's not an easy thing. The whole, when they say doctrine of Christ, the whole doctrine of Christ, which is you will be learning for many years, is all to end you up in this place. It's not an easy thing. To bring God, bring, what they say submission, the submission there is not one day submission. The submission there is that you, by reason of teaching and doing, teaching and obedience, they've subjected, you subjected all your members under head, under Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. All your members are under Christ, under obedience, and in submission. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. Are we blessed? Oh, Sister Yanu, welcome back. I, I didn't know yet. Yeah, I'm still seeing you now. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Yes. Amen. Uh, I hope you get some rest uh, later today. I wasn't sure. I, I was not even expecting you to join. Yeah, as well. Thank you for joining. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. Wow, this is awesome. This Ephesians is a very ter- is a very terrible. You know, I mean that in a good way. Book. 
It's like he's pushing you to Jesus. From the, from the very chapter 1, he's pushing you to Jesus. Chapter 1 initiates you into the, his knowledge. That, that's chapter 1. Chapter 1 begins that process of initiating you into his knowledge. By the time you enter chapter 2, chapter 2, Paul unveils the whole purpose, the cause. For this cause, I, Paul. <laughs> All right? As, uh, chapter 2, chapter 3, he unveils the, 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 he makes the vision plain about this intention of building you up as a temple in the Lord. Then chapter 3 and chapter 4, they now begin to break open what this actually means in real terms. That's why we spent a lot of time there. Those, the attributes, the warfares in, the, in our members against the flesh, against anger, against malice, all those things of suffering long. We're visiting many, many little things, backbiting, just little examples, and there's, there's still many more to open up. Now, do you know why in the journey to submission, which is the end of your vow, the end of your vow is that all of James, spirit, soul, and body, every of his members is submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the end. But why the journey is so far is because they have been before. From one of my mother's womb, I was conceived in sin and I've been learning it. So my members was full with sin. But there's a, there's a root word of all sin. It's pride. I will explain. Many of the things that we learnt are sin. Stealing, blah, 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 blah. Is from a pride. No grammar utterance. It's from a it's from it's from initial an initial there's a seed, there's something called pride that the enemy puts inside every soul. In fact, the definition of that pride is called self. Another word, self-sufficiency. Now, how many of us many times, how many of us like asking people for money? Nobody. But have you not, maybe in time, but have you not given somebody money before? You know, seasons change. There's something about us that when we are in need, you get some people, most people, many of us, many people, we, we, when, and even if maybe nobody, you haven't to ask anybody, maybe somebody can just discern you have need. And say, oh, how is everything? The first you say it is well, oh, it is fine, oh. <laughs> even though it may not be well and it may not be fine even though you may actually have that need the person is discerning you have a need and wants to supply the need but there's always there's this thing I don't want to look in need this is, that thing is actually a pride and it's very deeply seated there is something we are guarding the ourself. We don't want to be put to shame. But I am nothing. They can put me to shame. Who is this? I am nothing. So the fact that I'm afraid of being put to shame, maybe I'm embarrassed or I don't have money. People don't know I don't have money. That thing is a pride somewhere. 
This thing I'm going deep. It's very. This is, I'm not going in the subtle ones. It happens. It shows up in many, many areas in life. Oh, I don't want to be trampled upon. Is a pride somewhere? Who are you? Did you not say you are dust? That we are clay. <laughs> so that thing is it. Is it somewhere? All those things are little, little prides. That is difficult to disengage from our members. And the journey of Christ is to help our members break out of those things. Because any dimension of sin, pride, we have in our members is a dimension of lack of submission. That dimension, because we have that thing in our members, we can't fully submit. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We can't fully give in. Why? Because there's still a dimension in our members that is holding itself. So, all the reason for wall of righteousness, teachings, teachings, and they will have to continue teachings and teachings and teachings and teachings and teachings. And teachings, every time you come on that teaching, they want to disengage something from your members. So that you shall be free in that area. And once you are free in an area, you can submit in that area. For example, if I'm holding this phone, this phone, this, my hand is occupied. If Jesus wants me to hold this cup, Right? And my vow to him is that I submit to him. I can't hold the cup and this phone at the same time. So they don't so when Jesus sees us holding this phone, he won't come and tell you to hold this cup. This is where you first so that's why initial the, the dimensions of growth, the dimensions of spirituality is first learning him first. You will learn before obedience. Learn before obedience. Learn before obedience. Because the reason for learning is that you are holding phone, but his intention is that you hold this cup. So the learning, which can we sometimes we call it bass goals. <laughs> we call it all manners of things. We call it you get it, we call it sometimes we say the message was harsh. The message hit me. Or sometimes we say we want to let's balance the message. All those things are coming because the message came to remove this phone from your hand. That's what that's what that's what revelations do. That's what word of righteousness intention is to remove things from your hand that God did not put there. And they know that you cannot pay your vow, even though you cry it out, even though you confess it, even though you sing it all day long, you won't be able to pay your vow as long as you are holding the wrong thing because you won't have the space to do the submission, the obedience for what he wants. So when they can unlearn you from this, disengage this phone from your members, then they can now give you a cup to hold. Then you can now say you have done submission. Obedience. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's move further. Does anyone have any questions? As we are going... We are journeying. 
Any questions at all? Moving from last week's message. Remember the last few weeks we've been spending time in this Ephesians 3, 4. Now we are in 5. And at this dimension, we're not talking about when Christ is trying to wash us and perfect us. Right? I'll read it again. Let's see from verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife. This is instruction of the, for the husband. Love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That the purpose of him giving himself for it was that six semicolon there. That he might sanctify. This is the intention. So this is his vow. I want this to sink home. Christ's vow to you. Christ's number one vow to you. It's not that he will tell you to go and do evangelism. It's not that he will tell you to be an usher. That's not the number one vow. That's not his top post. But he starts there. Because by starting there, you are loving his descent. But the end of his vow to you is that he might sanctify you and cleanse you with the washing of water by the word. When Christ has done that, it means he's now, that's when he knows he's fully satisfied. Because by him, it means that he has fully paid, he has done his marital duties to us. Many of us don't allow him to do his marital duties to us. We don't want to hear a word. <laughs> but Jesus is saying that, like he said to Mary Martha, that was kind of like that play out. Jesus is saying, for me to be the loving husband, it's not that I eat your food. You cook food, I eat your food, I say your food, your soup tastes good. For in my own dimension, as a spirit, as a spirit man, as God, for me to say that I am paying, doing my vows to you, I am loving you, is that you sit, I am teaching you. I am sanctifying you. I am cleansing you by my word. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. V27. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Not having spots or wrinkles. So all the washing is for all the all those spots are those things we hold in our members. Those things we hold in our members. Not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Meaning it should be his. Those spots or wrinkles by definition means that remember, Jesus wants to give you a cup. Right? But when he came, what did he find in your hand? A phone. Was he the one who gave you the phone? No. So anything that he has not given you is a spot or a wrinkle. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Do you get me? It means that if it did not come from him, he first has to take it out of your hand and now give you the thing that came from him. 
And as the psalmist said, from our mothers when we were conceived in sin, it means what we've been learning from babyhood is spots and wrinkle. Not so, because I own my own kids, like I never taught them to lie. Some of them lie. I'm wondering where they didn't come from. Spot and wrinkle. And that's how we, we grew up with spots and wrinkles. And we own things that the Lord did not give us. And so when we come under covenant with him, by the blood of Jesus, we are born again. And then, if God is merciful, we are willing. <laughs> Do you get me? We are willing to receive his word. What the word will do, is that the world will begin to shake out every spot and wrinkle. That it was not him that gave it to us. So anything that the Lord did not give to you, and there are many things you have that the Lord did not give to you. I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm talking about thoughts. I'm talking about intents of the heart. Many of it. In fact, how you will know we have many spots and wrinkles? If you can just plan your whole life by yourself, you are, that is a spot and a wrinkle. Are you seeing journey? So the journey is far. Because we are all like that. <laughs> the journey is far. But the beginning of cleansing begins. Here a little. There a little. Precept upon precept. Let's see that witness. As our 28. The, the processes of the beginning of cleansing. Azar chapter 28. Thank you Lord Jesus. Verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Now, whom shall he teach knowledge? Knowledge there is his vow to you. Right? By the washing of water by the word. Knowledge there is his vow to you. Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? That's the knowledge. That's the vow, the cleansing. Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. Meaning them who are like Ephesians chapter 1, the saints of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 where, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, that is milk. Service. Faith in the Lord Jesus and service. That is milk. It's love to all the saints. Amen. It meant that they were ready for doctrine, for vow, for the vow of their husband. Now, how does he, you see, when he now is administering the vow, he says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's almost like a building. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. 
line upon line. Here a little, there a little, building. Now, why this procedure? It's like almost a surgical operation. Isn't that not what it sounds like? You know, in a surgical operation, the surgeon, they have to put you, they have to put you to sleep pretty much. <laughs> and it's already operate on you for 10 hours. And why that long? It's not like, okay, if it's heart just take the heart now, open the body, take the heart, put new heart. 15 minutes, you're over. No! They have to be so surgical. Even the way they open the body, when, whenever, whatever they need to touch to remove anything, they have to be very surgical in taking things out. That's what, that's what takes the time. And the Lord Jesus is ready to take the time with us. Now, why surgical operations? Because where sin is hiding is in our members. Not just member. <laughs> they say members. In all different dimensions of our soul is hiding there. Not so. But I will say, for the heart of man is what? Is desperately wicked. Who can find it out? It means the thing is vast. Our soul, every soul is vast. And where our hiding places, in Isaiah 28, we'll see it there. They will have many hiding places. So they have to do a surgical operation. Visit member after member until the Lord Jesus has touched the full scope of our members. Until the Lord Jesus has touched, visited the full array of our members. Now, as each member is being touched among your members, that dimension of you is ready for submission. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me explain. For example, let's say, there's a season that comes upon us, and the emphasis of the season is against malice or covetousness, whatever it may be. You find that maybe in that six month period, one year period, they will start bringing to your attention as you are hearing the word, the thing is also activating. The Holy Ghost will start activating the reality of those people who you are keeping malice with. That you yourself don't even know you are keeping malice with them. <laughs> Do you get me? You know sometimes when a message will come, and then you now start thinking, ah, it's true. It looks like I envy that brother. You don't know it before. Maybe you just have, you don't see the brother. You just feel somehow, but you just say, ah, no, it's not much. It's nothing. But when the when the revelation comes, when preaching has come, when they are visiting that member, all of a sudden you now start seeing yourself, seeing the infirmity. What they are trying to do by bringing such waters of the word for washing, the Holy Ghost will take right upon those waters and now begin to show you your faults in the dimension of those waters. Praise the name of the Lord. What they are now trying to do is that now that the thing has visited your members, submit there. So, when the washing has come to show you your infirmity, you are envious. You are keeping malice with this person. 
that word also comes with what I call grace energy. It also comes with what I call grace energy. What is that grace energy for? The grace energy is to give you the capacity not to keep the malice again. And when you have been able, you have been capacitated to let go of the malice, what has just happened? You have submitted to your husband in that area. And that is how the Lord will go. Precept upon precept. Means member upon member. When he's done with healing you of malice, he will turn to unforgiveness. When he has healed you of unforgiveness, he will turn to hate. Why? Because everything has an opposite. What's the opposite of unforgiveness? Forgiveness. And what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is an attribute of your husband, Christ. So, when Christ came, again, this cup, this cup is called forgiveness. When Christ came, what did he find here? This phone. This phone is called unforgiveness. This phone was occupying the space where this cup should be. So, this phone was in part of your members, unforgiveness. If you can drop this phone, then you can hold forgiveness. That's the wisdom. So, the whole journey of Christianity is dropping things and then gaining Christ things. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Thank you, my Father. Are we blessed? I believe we are blessed. Let me get some feedback. If you are blessed, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. So, yes, the journey, the journey is exchange of members. On learning what this world has taught us and exchanging that for the learning of Christ. And every learning of Christ comes as a double-edged sword. It comes to remove, uproot, and bring an obedience at the same time. Let's, let me try and make it a bit more plain. Let me use figures, numbers now. Let's say, just for example of sake of example, you have a hundred members. Members means uh, characters, in this case, or personality traits. You have a hundred of them. And before Jesus came, all hundred were bad. <laughs> so when he came, precept, Lord, precept, Lord, precept, line upon, who after he got born again, no? Maybe after I got born again, it was not 95. Because for the most part, your soul hasn't really changed. So, when the Lord takes away member one and replaces it with the Lord's member one, you have submitted 1%. I want to say the end of this thing is, is for 
full and total submission. We are journeying to God. He said, when we sing that song, we are going to God. Oh. We are going to submission. Oh. We are not going to, to God, to God, God. We are going to God to be under God. We are not going to God to be a God. We are going to God to be under God. So it's a journey of submission to God. So, in everything that you have overcome, maybe every member that the Lord has overcome on your behalf, through revelation and obedience, he has, you have submitted in that dimension. And for every dimension of submission you have done to the Lord, he has owned you in that area. Until you are fully, that's why they say, in how many things? In all things. So all things are many. Those all things are members. Those all things are members. So right now, I know some of us have submitted to the Lord Jesus in some things. <laughs> Amen. I don't know if I'm safe to say that. It, you know, it may be 10%, 20%, 30%, but maybe in some, maybe even 5%, but at least, it may be in some things. But that's not where he's going to end. That's where he's not interested in ending there. He's going full-blown. He will keep washing us. We'll keep washing us. We'll keep showing his love. Every washing is the pouring, and outpouring of his love to us. We keep washing us, until we have submitted to him in what? In all things. Praise God. Yes. And you know, this thing is very, it's quite simple, you know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, maybe... Maybe when you're in Nigeria, you will think that I'm, I'm mean, I'm very deep, I've submitted to God in many, almost all things. When they now put you in a new environment, i.e., you come to Canada, <laughs> uh, you will now realize that there are still some things in your members. You know, sometimes when you were with all your brethren, you get me, Gadites, whatever, all your brethren, you were hot. Very hot. There's no meeting you don't go for. But once, and you thought he was very spiritual. In fact, you are a Christ. But you now ended in, landed in Canada. <laughs> you, get me? you now start picking and choosing. You now start balancing life. What does that mean? It means that all the members have not been addressed yet. There's still a lot of work to be done. Sometimes there's even a rebound effect. You would think that you overcome a certain area. Do you get me? So they will not be visiting other areas. Then years later down the line, there will be a rebound of that area two years ago that the Lord was addressing, that you thought was addressed, but has not yet fully been addressed. Because it's not easy to kill a snake. You can stone a snake, stone a snake. You know, it takes many stones. All these things are serpents. All these members, all these same things. You can stone a snake, stone a snake, stone a snake. It looks as though he has died, but he has not yet died. You know the best way to ensure the stick is fully dead? You burn it. 
So every revelation is like a stone. We are stoning members, stoning sins, stoning serpents. But even though you may have stoned a snake, one snake with five stones and think that the snake is, it looks like the snake is dead, but it may not be dead. It can rebound. So it takes a lot of washing to come to perfection. Sometimes you see that sometimes when they are mean they re, there's repetition in teachings, it's because it's more and more stonings, more and more cleansings. Let's see this. Let's see it. This is now. This is not touching the dimension of everlasting life. Everlasting life is the killer, the one that kills finally those members. Christ will stone them to death. Everlasting life will burn them. Let's see. Uh, Azar 28. I'll read from, uh, let's, let's start now from verse 15. Amen. It says, because ye have said we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood, now what's that word? Lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Verse 16, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the what? And the waters, <clears throat> and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Now remember, we have made lies our refuge. So hailstone is for refuge of lies. And under falsehood have we hid ourselves. So waters is for the hiding places. And they call those two things. One is judgment. Will I lead to the line? Judgment is everlasting life. That's not our focus for today. But judgment is the realm of everlasting life. Judgment means full understanding. Head, sense, everlasting life in the head. That's why they're talking about father who is the head, head. And righteousness to the plummet. Righteousness is Christ. That's the, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, and then later, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So Christ is God's righteousness. Now remember when it says, you see why, you see this Bible is very complete. Remember when we, we've quoted, it says that, for the heart of man is what? Is desperately wicked. Who can find it out? Whose heart is that? Our hearts. When they say who can find it out, it means it has many hiding places. Many hidden places. Who can find it out? But there is somebody who can find it out. Christ. Righteousness. If you allow the light of Christ to hit you, you will find it out. Touch light. 
and righteousness, which is the gospel of Christ. Again, he called it the war. Who is the word? Then they would now call it the waters. You see that correlation of the waters here. And the waters, verse 17, the end of verse 17, and the waters shall overflow. It means when you are under Christ, Christ will flood out the hiding places. That's his intention. Isaiah love. That is his vow. He wants to flood, and those hiding places is what he calls spots and wrinkles. You flood it out and iron it. It's like, you know when your shirt has spots and wrinkles? It takes a lot of, you have to wash it, then iron it. He will flood it out, then iron it. That's what Christ does. He goes after the hiding places of our soul, which is called our members. <laughs> the sin shall not have dominion over our members. It has to be flooded out. With what? With righteousness, with Christ. Uh, the other one now is, is judgment. Judgment is the stones. You know, judgment, they call it hail. Hail is hailstones. And that one will sweep out the Sweep away the refuge of lies. That is a, a different dimension. Not for today. That's everlasting life dimension. Praise the name of the Lord. Does anyone have any questions? Before I move further. We have about 15 minutes plus more. Any questions at all? Latena, you are blessed? Uh, my dad, I was expecting you have a no, question. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blessed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Amen. Now, let's go back up one. Let's see verse 16 of that Azar 28. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious corner stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Why he that believeth shall not make his. That stone, tried stone, precious corner stone, is the process of the precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, dear little. Why that process? Is because they are visiting member upon member. When Christ is saving us, he doesn't just come and flood everything at once. He goes after one thing at a time. Majority of the time. You see, there will be an emphasis, a present emphasis of the, of the season. Could be, like I would say, maybe against envy, against malice, you know, those things. He will come for that. And make sure, the reason why he comes one thing at a time, he wants to make sure he does a thorough work in judging it. And then after judging it, killing it before he moves past there. 
And that is the process, the procedure for what he laid in Zion. Process. A stone. Stone. That stone is Christ. Foundation. Christ is the foundation, not so. You see that again in Ephesians chapter 2. Where he was laying out that thing, being built up as a holy temple. He said, upon the foundation of the prophets and apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, when you are learning Christ, they make you a stone. They make you a stone. Praise the name of the Lord. They make you a stone. A stone means there that you are different from flesh. Now, you know there are stones that have death on it. Initially you were flesh, that everything was dead. Now they made you a stone, but that stone still has, you know, there are some stones that will have some maybe markings, colors, things even attached to it. So they made you a stone, but you still have things attached. The next dimension is that they want to try the stone. In the trial of the stone, they are washing the things that have leached onto the, your body. You know, leeches. How many of us have heard of leeches? Those blood-sucking things. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody has encountered. I'm sure maybe one of us here have encountered bed bugs and other things like that. Bed bugs, they just you can't get rid of them once they enter your house. That was our wahala when we went to Ottawa. <laughs> you know Some the, 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 a couple of I think one or two rooms they had bed bugs. People were scared. The girls were scared. We had to move hotel. Praise God. Why? Because that thing can leach to your clothes. And it's difficult to get, get it out. So that's why when, they are, when you are in a dimension of being a tried stone, the Bible says for the trial of your faith, work at patience. That let patience have a complete work, a perfect work in you. That ye may be perfect and entire. Complete and entire. Wanting nothing. It means that... Trial of your faith, be much more precious of than gold that, that, that perish yet. Don't be tried with fire. It means that in order to cleanse you in a dimension of being a tried stone, is a higher dimension where it will also pain the stone. You know that there are some, you know, back home, maybe, I don't know, man, if your parents were like that. Sometimes you have an injury in your leg, they will use boiling water. Or what still they will go and, they will go and put a stone in coal, hot stone to heal you. <laughs> you now be wondering whether the pain of the heat is more than the pain of the injury. So sometimes in tried stone, in order to heal you, it's almost as though they have to use boiling water or hot stone to heal your injury. That's why you will feel the pain when you are a tried stone. Because the what has attached to us sometimes is not just ephemeral. Some of it has attached to us inside. It will take heart. It will take pain to leech them out. If I to pull a leech out of somebody's body, you have to injure the person. Because pretty much you have to cut part of the skin of the person to get the leech out. 
So when he says, "Why lay Zion for a foundation is stone," all of them is washing to washing, is cleansing to cleansing. In the beginning of them cleansing us, do you get me? We will be enjoying it. Ah, I don't know. I was like this. So thank you, Jesus. You will. Those are the ones that are easy to drop because they are things that are attached to you from the outward. But there are others which are leeches, which are attached to you and attached to your blood and your skin. That it will now take another dimension. When they now move you higher in the spirit to being a trite stone, they will now become painful. Because they are now washing out the bed bugs, washing out the leeches, the ones that are difficult to identify. Difficult, deeply rooted things. Those are the ones that rebound. Now maybe you will think you've cleansed them, but they are still attached. Later on, in two years now, they will now grow up again. So when we submit to the Lord, we are submitting to processes of dealings, of washings, of purgings, from stone to tried stone, then precious cornerstone. By the time you cleanse that stone and it's so shining, it's pristine. I remember a few years ago, I used to walk up north. Uh, here is already north, but the up north, north Fort Mac north. This one is Northwest Territories North. Nunavut North. <laughs> Those are the territories. Far north. So whenever, you know, we'll ch- they'll chatter a plane. So when I'm flying, it's right to the Nunavut area. When you look down on the rocks and the sea, the, the, the color, I've never seen anything like that. Pristine. Those rocks look like they are not earthly. Maybe they are from another, another planet. Untouched. Almost like glittering. Just come on mountain. Almost like because they've been washed by the sea, by the ocean, no man has come to pollute the place. Clear crystal. I was like, wow. Are you seeing that? That's a rock. That's a stone. Where all the sand has been washed off by the oceans, by the waters. The oceans have washed it off. Everything is clear. Clean. clear. You see the reflect of the sun on it. <laughs> Crystal. That's what that you see. That's that, that pristine nature. Pristine means precious. Pristine. Precious means something that is not that scarce. You don't find it easily out there. So when you've submitted your process to washing and purging, you will come out pristine. You will come out unique. You will come out precious in the spirit. That's what they call a precious cornerstone. Now, a precious cornerstone is one who is now ready for full submission. Which is now sure foundation. We leave that one. Where it says, do everything to make make your calling and election sure. You can't make that in sure if you have not... You have not, you have not, you have not dropped wrong things. This world, or as the Bible will say, "Whosoever doeth the will of God abideth forever." That's Second John two seventeen. And earlier, he says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." For if any man love the world, the love of the Father, which is the will of God, is not in him. It, mean, it just simply means that when a man is occupied with members of sin. Members of this world holding phone that God did not give him, 
he will not have the capacity to do God's will, hold the cup that God wants him to hold. That's what that thing is saying. So God is saying, if you love this world, the problem, the major thing is that the world has tax for you. You are holding things. When you love this world, you will hold the things of this world. As long as you are holding the things of this world, you will find yourself never having time for God's will. You will find yourself never having time for learning, learning Christ, learning God, and submission to Christ, submission to God. That's what they were saying. Plainly. You see, very plainly and very practically, show me how you spend your money and your time and I'll tell you who you are. You can, just, you can, give, you can give me a log of one week, every dollar you spent, what you did, all the, the 24 hours old, I'm not talking about, you know, you go to work 9 hours, 8 hours, they're fine. After that, what did you do? Most times you find that you watch like in the whole week you have watched like ten movies or seven movies and five shows or you, other things, all manners of different kinds of things. But I can tell you who you are. Praise God. So when the Lord, the Lord is saying. Whosoever loveth this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, you know Jesus balanced it. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and unto God what belongs to God. Jesus balanced it over. Most of, many souls, Christians are not balancing it. We are giving Caesar 90% and God, you get, uh, 95% and God, in terms of time. We are giving Caesar more than what belongs to Caesar. Sometimes we give Caesar what belongs to Caesar, then we take what belongs to God and add it to give to Caesar. Well, Jesus taught the balance of it. Yes, ensure you are excellent in your career line, excellent in your studies, excellent in family life, excellent in this, excellent in that. Yes, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But you do have time, I kid you not. The time that you have to give to God, you spend it mostly on Netflix. Netflix is not... Caesar never asked you to for Netflix. <laughs> and many other things. Caesar asks you for 10 hours a day to work. Caesar asks you to pay your taxes. Caesar never asks you to watch your Netflix. Caesar never asks you to watch soccer and basketball and hockey. And all the manner different dimension, di- diversities of what we engage our souls in. Much majority, most of that time, actually, sincerely, belongs to God. Belongs to God. And so the Lord, so are you seeing those other attachments is loving this world? The standard work hour, maybe 8 to 10 hours. Well, most times, when we now do 14 hours overtime, what is, there's a problem. Except maybe there's an urgent thing that needs to be met up in the next six months. Maybe like school fees, rent, food. Otherwise, there's a problem. It means you love this world somewhere. I see you are doing overtime for Caesar. And not 14 hours. So you, if you work seven days a week, except the shift work, there's a problem. That is, you are doing, you are giving Caesar over time. 
You are doing too much for Caesar. That's what I mean. And those things are symbolism that you love this world somewhere. And God is saying, if you check it well, when you love this world, or maybe those things, those shows that encapsulate you, that you can stay binge watching, you know they call it binge watching or whatever. You can watch, sit down, watch something for five. If you can sit down watching it for five hours, there's a problem. You need to stop yourself. You see, those five hours is showing exemplary of your love of this world somewhere. And those five hours, if you shut it to two hours, how many hours is left? Three hours of tangible God time. Message. That's you can finish one full message in those three hours. Listen to worship. Even pray. Inside those three hours, one message, pray one hour, read Bible also inside the three hours. Just that three hours. Are you seeing how white God was saying that? If any man loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. You will not be able to give God what belongs to God. And so the, the warfare of washing is to wash out the world in you. Your members, the world, flesh out of your members. So your members are freed up for Christ and God who is our head. As we begin to submit to him. Praise the name of the Lord, somebody. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we bless your name. If you have been blessed this evening, say amen. Say amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Today was a washing, wasn't it? Yes, we should receive it as we need to shake ourselves. Awakening. There are some areas we can give God more if you really are honest with yourself. There are some you can still give God more. And giving God more, you know, I told you, is beyond just local assembly service. That one is there. You can give God your ear like Mary gave God her ear. That to him, that is better. Is that what he said? For she has chosen the better. It shall not be taken from her. It means that Mary allowed Jesus pay his vows. Because his paying of his vows is to give us his word. To wash us by his word. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise. I will end here. We thank you for how you have helped us this evening. Thank you for the journey, the labor in the spirit. Thank you for how you've helped me, you've helped us. Father, I pray these words will find uh, places in the souls and the hearts of many. Peradventure, if there's anything I've said that is misunderstood, Father, you will help them. You will go ahead of me by your spirit to bring understanding even to the simple. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for this day again. We bless your holy name. We exalt you. We ask for more of your spirit even this week. I pray right now for each and every one of us that whatever we may be going through, I say this new week that is coming ahead, clarity will come upon us. Understanding will come upon our lives. We'll have the best week ever in the name of Jesus. In our workplaces, favor will come. Help will come. Mercy will visit us. Whatever we find ourselves doing, help will visit us in the name of Jesus. Father, you will answer those uh, plaguing questions of our hearts in Jesus' name. 
we are prayed. Amen. 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 Um, also, I just want to let you know, guys, you know, if maybe during the course of any, at any point in time, maybe there's a question you have, you know, from the Bible study, whatever, you can send me a message. Uh, I know some of you already do that, and I answer. So uh, just just so that maybe they need some more clarity in some of these these teachings, some of these things, I'll be able to I'll be happy to help uh, by the grace of God. Amen. Does anyone have anything else to add? Questions or comments, and then we'll share the grace. Praise God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet friendship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Shalom, everyone. Have a. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You. Dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between.